With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go on there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. My name is John Schmelk, joined by Lance Meadow. Thank you for being with us as we continue our opponent preview, our final one of the year as we get ready for 2022. And we thought it fitting that for the final preview, we talk to the man who covers the team that won the NFC East last year, the Dallas Cowboys for DallasCowboys.com. Friend of the program, he's joined us for many years now, the one and only Mickey Spagnola. Mickey, you got John Schmelk and Lance Mendel up here in steamy New York and New Jersey. How are things in Dallas? Don't tell, <clears throat> don't tell me about steamy. <laughs> <laughs> we, we must have gone... 14 days in a row of 100-plus uh, this morning. The, today is going to be a break. It says the high is only going to be 99, so we'll be <laughs> about 10 degrees nicer than it's been over the last three days. Okay, I'm going to shut up then. I'm sure you're looking forward to going to Oxnard. Let's go there. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. As a matter of fact, John, the other day uh, I was sitting in the in the living room. It was 8.30 in the morning. It was already in the 90s, and I go, Alexa, what's the temperature in Oxnard? She comes back, so it's 6.30 in the morning out there. It's 58 degrees with a high of 68, and I'm going, okay, I'm ready to go right now. (laughs) And and for the fans that don't know, Oxnard is where the Cowboys do. I guess, what, the first half of their training camp, Mickey? Is is that fair to say? No, uh, the majority of it. They'll come back, and they'll have – uh, another week of training camp, and then they'll move into the week to get ready wow. for the regular season. Yeah. Got it. All right. Uh, but before we look at this team specifically, Mick, I want to ask you about this Cowboys offseason because I, I don't think you can argue otherwise that the team has less overall talent today than it did the day the season ended last year. You know, you actually just saw a tweet come up today. They still have like $20 million of cap space, but they lost. Amari Cooper, they traded him because of salary cap reasons. They let go of Lyle Collins, which I'm still trying to figure out, because they didn't actually save them any cap space. So how do you kind of evaluate what they did this offseason? Did it work? Was it successful? Did they make mistakes? And kind of where they are heading into the season? Yeah, we're going to find out. Uh, I keep telling people when we go to training camp, uh, you know, just where they're at, uh, if they made mistakes or not. Uh, The only move that uh, I wasn't uh, really keen on was trading away uh, Amari Cooper. Uh, I just thought that, you know, even if his numbers didn't suggest that he was worth a $20 million base salary, uh, I just think his presence, his presence on the field, his presence uh, in the room uh, during the week uh, was as as important as any amount of numbers that you want to put on his production uh, this past year. Uh, you mentioned Lael Collins. You know, the truth of the matter is he just did not have a good year last year when he came back from uh, the suspension. Uh, and, and, you know, letting him go had nothing to do with uh, the suspension. He just didn't play well. 
And if you talk to some people, they'll tell you that the backup, Terrence Steele, played better than him. Uh, and, and so it's the difference of paying a starting right tackle, you know, $900,000 base salary or paying a $14 million base salary. So, yeah, they ended up, uh, you know, they'll take a hit uh, on dead money for, for moving on from Lil Collins. Uh, but, you know, at some point, sometimes you got to get younger. Uh, and we'll see how that works out. Now, the key thing on all this is uh, m- making sure that Tyron Smith, or hoping Tyron Smith can stay healthy, uh, at least for 13 starts. Uh, you know, I, I hear about, well, he's getting older. You know, he's 31. Uh, and, uh, again, I'll take 13 starts with Tyron Smith at left tackle over anybody else they could have put there uh, for 17 games. Uh, so again, uh, from, from you know the losses they had, uh, as you mentioned in in free agent or not free agency, it was their choice. Right. They made the conscious decision to let go uh, of Amari Cooper, and now we'll find out uh, if they were right or not. Uh, they're banking on C.D. Lamb being the number one receiver, and that's fine and good, and I think he's got a chance to do that. Uh, my problem is. They know for at least the first month of the season they're not going to have Michael Gallup. Uh, he's returning from his ACL surgery that he didn't have until early February. So do the math on nine months, and you know if he gets back by October, that's that's doing well. Uh, and then they got to find a third receiver. So uh, that's the position that I kind of center on and looked at and said, okay, let's see how this turns out because the last time they tried. Uh, receiver by committee, they ended up trading for Amari Cooper halfway through the season. Yeah, and then, Mickey, the, uh, the other really quickly offseason thing that happened is that there was that back and forth with Randy Gregory that was kind of odd with the agent, and they signed him, then they didn't, then he backed out, then he went to Denver. How did that the whole thing go down, and, and, and kind of what's been the, the, the flashback on that as you kind of look back as, as to how the Cowboys lost one of their two starting edge players? Yeah, and that, that certainly... Uh, you know, it was disappointing uh, that it turned out the way uh, it did. You know, their side has never come clean on why they really made that decision. And this deal about, well, the Cowboys, you know, they won't guarantee money if somebody's been suspended. Well, that's not anything different than, you know, what they had agreed to in the first place. Uh, so basically he signed the same deal with uh, Denver, where, by the way, his agent lives, uh, and I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. Uh, and it wasn't like they put some clause in the contract because they didn't uh, trust him. That was a standard operating procedure. Uh, so the fact that, you know, he kind of turned their back on them uh, after they kind of stuck with them through thick and thin, and there was a lot of uh, thin, believe me, uh, dur- during his uh, career here with the Cowboys, uh, and you hate to lose that guy. Now, again, you got to be able to, to, you know, fill that spot. You know, can Dante Fowler Jr. do something for him? Uh, keep an eye on Sam Williams, their second-round draft choice, the defensive end out of Ole Miss. Uh, I think this guy has got something. Now, how quickly can he get there? Uh, that remains to be seen, and that's another one of those question marks uh, that have to be answered uh, in training camp. And Fowler, to your point, Mickey, has ties to Dan Quinn. They were together in Atlanta, so that should obviously be a player that could very well step in and have some familiarity with the scheme. And we'll get more into the defensive side of the ball. I want to flip the script, go back to the offense, because it's interesting, Mickey, over the last few years we talk about the Cowboys' offensive line and we look at that group as one of the standards of the NFL. But as you mentioned, there's been so much movement and You talked about Tyron Smith and his injury history. I want to focus on the interior on the left side. You got Tyler Smith, who they drafted in the first round, who right now is being penciled in at left guard. And Tyler Biotish has had his ups and downs. Is still a young, developing center. What is their thought process on that left interior side of the offensive line and how you anticipate things playing out? Yeah, and you know what? Um... I, I, I've seen some different uh, analysis of the play of their offensive line last year. I didn't think it was very good. Uh, I thought uh, it, it was one of their weaker spots. 
Now, I saw someone, and I can't remember who it was, ranked them like the number one or two uh, offensive line in the league. I don't know what they were watching, but they weren't <laughs> watching the same 17 games I was watching, right? Uh, so, okay, uh, you know, they move on from Connor Williams. Uh, they drafted Tyler Smith, uh, tackle from Tulsa, uh, trying to move him inside. But it's going to be a competition. They're not just going to hand him the starting job. Uh, they're going to give Connor McGovern uh, an opportunity to compete there, and we'll see who the best man is who wins that. Uh, so that's the spot that, uh, uh, you know, he got a question mark. But, you know, for the criticism they got for Connor Williams last year, who, by the way, played pretty well, you know, if I can qualify it, except for the penalties. And I think what happened with all the penalties he started getting uh, was the fact that you get a couple, and then all of a sudden they start looking at you, right? And you better be absolutely perfect in your pass blocking uh, otherwise, here comes another flag. And that's kind of the reason why they set him down. Uh, it wasn't because they thought he was playing well. They thought they, that he just couldn't stay away from penalties or he's getting picked on. Uh, so that spot's up in the air. As for Biotish, you know, he, 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 he was starting basically for the first time in his career this past season. Uh, and I thought he was solid. Was he great? No. But you know what? Mark Stepnowski, a third-round pick, wasn't great for the Cowboys until his third year uh, moving into center. Uh, so i am be interested to see what Biotish does. Uh, you know, they say, well, he gets overwhelmed by big guys. Well, you know what? A lot of guys get overwhelmed by big guys in the middle, right? Tampa Bay, sure. uh, with those big monsters they have in there, yeah, you're going to struggle with those guys. That's why they get paid what they do. So. I'm not as concerned about Biotis. I'm interested to see what happens at the left tackle spot and then the backup offensive tackle. Uh, I mentioned Tyron Smith, uh, you know, the last several years of having injury problems. So you need a quality backup tackle. Well, they didn't have one last year. Uh, and they ended up having to use Terrence Steele when he wasn't starting on the right side as the backup and play left. He's not a left tackle. He's a right tackle. Uh, so basically, they're they're hoping that some young guys uh, can step up on the offensive line to be the backup uh, offensive uh, offensive tackle. And I guess if that's one of your big worries, then maybe you're not too bad off uh, considering what else you have uh, with Zach Martin now healthy again. Uh, that certainly will help. Tyron Smith looks like he's healthy. That certainly helps. Uh, and, and so. We, we can go from there. And I, and I think they just have a lot of confidence in Terrence Steele. Mickey, what's been the reaction to what, and I realize there's no pad, so it's hard to really tell, but what have you heard about what the coaching staff has thought of Tyler Smith in the time that they've had their hands on him? I know they kind of project him as a future tackle. He's going to start at guard. Kind of raw, though. There was some stuff at Tulsa that on tape didn't look great. So what's been the early impressions of their first-round pick, Tyler Smith? Yeah, I think they've been pretty happy with him. They've been pretty happy, certainly, with his work ethic. Uh, they've been happy with his ability uh, to learn and willingness uh, to move inside. Uh, I, from what I saw, and again, you know what we get to see in many camps and OTAs, um, which isn't much, but he looks pretty athletic. Uh, but he's young. He's 21 years old. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of growth there. Uh, and we'll see if he can make that transition. If he can't, if he gets beat out, uh, then I would imagine, you know, he's the backup uh, left tackle. Uh, during some of the workouts that we've been able to watch, uh, you know, he was taking the second team snaps at, at left guard, but when Tyron Smith didn't take all the first team snaps at left tackle, uh, Tyler Smith went in there first. Uh, so, It'll be interesting to see how that one works out. Uh, I think he has a lot of uh, talent, uh, but, again, he's young. Is he strong enough to play inside? Uh, again, it's one of those things. We're going to training camp to find out. Mickey, earlier you were talking about the receiving core, saying that Amari Cooper likely the most notable loss, and I can't disagree with you there because I think he was arguably the best route runner in the NFL, and I shouldn't talk of the past tense. I think that's the current status as he moves to Cleveland. But another notable loss, I thought, was Cedric Wilson, who filled in nicely for Amari as well as Gallup and Lamb when they got hurt last season. He goes to Miami, which obviously – 
they take a hit from a depth perspective. So they bring in James Washington from the Steelers. He's maybe shown flashes here or there. And then Jalen Tolbert, their third-round pick. How confident are they that those two guys can fill in for not just Cooper, but also, as you mentioned, Michael Gallup not necessarily being ready coming off the torn ACL? Yeah, and that's a, that's a question we're getting ready to find out. They don't know that for sure. Uh, losing Cedric Wilson hurt. But again, uh, how much are you going to pay the guy you consider your third wide receiver, right? Sure. So th- those things are going to happen. You know, they, 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 you know, they money whipped him and, and gave him a deal that he would make, you know, more money basically in one year than he made in his first, what, four years in the league. Uh, but he was valuable. He was valuable in so many different ways. But again, uh, how much do you pay for that? Uh, so you kind of chalk that one up to, oh, well, that's free agency. That's what happens when you're paying other people uh, big money. Uh, as for replacing him, you're, you're exactly right. Without Gallup there, um, you know, they're hoping James Washington, uh, who had some flashes at Pittsburgh but never emerged into what you think he would have been coming out of Oklahoma State. Because I remember watching him in college and a lot of the games in this area and this guy was really good. Uh, and he got there, and I'm not sure whatever happened, but, you know, he, he never emerged as a every-down, every-game starter. He was kind of a kind of a throw-in guy as the third receiver. So with opportunity, we'll see what happens. Uh, but you were exactly right about Jalen Tolbert. Uh, Third-round pick, uh, and, and don't let South Alabama kind of diminish uh, what you might think of this guy, because what I've seen so far, uh, he's he's a Michael Gallup starter kit. Uh, not a big school. Uh, people maybe didn't know much about him. Third-round pick, just like Gallup. Uh, but this guy's got something, believe me. He's got great, great catch radius. He already runs really good routes for a young guy coming from a smaller school, uh, and he's pretty sharp. They feel like Already, he can play any of the three wide receiver spots. Now, again, you got to make the jump from college to the NFL. Uh, but so far, from what we've seen, uh, he looks like a keeper and maybe be the key to this wide receiver group uh, with uh, knowing that Gallup's going to at least miss uh, the first month of the season. If he can step up and play, uh, then uh, they, they should be good enough in the passing game providing C.D. Lamb plays like a number one wide receiver. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm C.J. Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky, they're saying, Cal's a bust, he can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. <laughs> hey, Mickey. You know, Dak Prescott, much like most, and we're joined by Mickey Spagnuolo at DallasCowboys.com. Dak Prescott, much like all quarterbacks in the league, but I think him specifically, you know, his play has kind of fluctuated based on what's going on around him, right? Um, and you look at the changes in the wide receiver core, the changes up front in front of him. and But on the other hand, he's coming off a year where he's not rehabbing injury this offseason, right? You know, he's doing a lot of work to try to become and, and improve as a quarterback. So what are the expectations here for Prescott heading into this year? Uh, he signed that contract extension. It wasn't a super long-term contract extension. So give us the Dak Prescott kind of status update here heading into 2022. Well, uh, you know, if he can perform as well as he did last year, uh, I'm sure they'd be pretty happy with him. He won, you know, 11 games. They won the one that he didn't start. Uh, so uh, not bad. 
again, if you look at his performance, he finished with the third highest quarterback rating in the league, only behind Aaron Rodgers and Joe Burrow. So that's not all that bad. Um, he set a single-season franchise record with 37 touchdown passes, and this all coming after he spent the majority of the offseason and part of training camp uh, rehabbing from surgery, uh, rehabbing uh, from a shoulder problem that he had in training camp, uh, trying to overcome uh, the calf strain that he suffered halfway through the season. Um, so all in all, if you look at it, he had a pretty darn good season when you look at the numbers. Now, did they win a playoff game? No, they didn't. Uh, and that's the thing that kind of hangs over their head, his head. Uh, but I, I got no problems with what Dak Prescott has been doing or what his ability is to continue doing the things uh, you know he's done. I think uh, I saw an interesting stat where uh, they 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 counted up quarterback wins, uh, which I always think is unfair because it's a team, not just yep. the quarterback. Oh yeah, Mickey, Mickey. By wins. the way, we are with you. We hate the quarterback win stat. We're hundred percent with you on that. We hate it, hate it, hate it. You're right. Keep preaching, Mickey. And so they they did a they did a survey of the quarterback wins from 2016. So basically on so Dak's rookie season. Uh, and he ended up, I, I believe off the top of my head, he was tied for fourth uh, with Drew Brees uh, for most wins. And, and, of course, Tom Brady was first, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Russell Wilson, and then it was Dak Prescott and Drew Brees. So, you know, he's been pretty darn good. Uh, but you're right. You know, a, a lot of what happens is, well, what's around my quarterback? Uh, and... You know, if the offensive line can play reasonably well, Ezekiel Elliott uh, is healthy. He's not playing with a sprained knee ligament as he did for, you know, the majority of the games last year after uh, suffering the sprain in in game four. Um, and, And if these wide receivers can play, well, okay, let's see what happens. Uh, but I've got no problems with Dak Prescott. You know, we had to, uh, answer a question even on our own website about what does Dak need to do to be an elite, you know, quarterback. Well, he's elite already if you look at the numbers I just threw at you. The, but again, one in three in playoff games, and everybody's like, well, he's not there yet. Well, it wasn't all him that had problems because the first playoff loss, uh, he put up 31 points against Green Bay and lost on a walk-off field goal uh, in the final second. Uh, so, uh, again, I got no problems with him. Uh, just stay healthy uh, and continue doing what you've been doing. They were also trailing in that playoff game, Mickey, as you can attest to. He helped rally the troops in that game. And also the stat I bring up is the Cowboys haven't had a losing regular season record since Dak took over as the starting quarterback. So certainly that says an awful lot. You brought up Zeke. And the injuries, and there's this big storyline, it seems, emerging this offseason that it's going to be more of a 50-50 split. Tony Pollard is a huge threat to Zeke, and Pollard, you could argue, has been getting his fair share of snaps because of his explosiveness, Mickey, over each of the last few seasons. It's not like Tony Pollard came out of nowhere, but how do you see the dynamics playing out in the backfield because of Zeke's injury history or at least playing through injury? Are they going to look to maybe take a little bit more off his plate to ease him in and balance it out how do you see that playing out this season yeah um anybody that you know answered that question and making those suggestions unfortunately they didn't ask me right they should have <laughs> uh, but anyway uh you know i see him being the same zeke that they want him to be that they expect him to be i don't see his carries diminishing um you know he, he, and I know it doesn't mean anything anymore, uh, and especially since they played 17 games last year, but he did gain 1,000 yards, uh, and, and, and he did play through that sprained posterior cruciate ligament uh, after game four. Uh, and, and he will grind, right? He will turn a one-yard carry into three, and no one puts any value on that. Uh, as for Tony Pollard, I think it's a great one-two punch. Uh, and, and you're right, he's got breakaway speed. But I think it's sneaky breakaway speed because 
you know, he's not in there down in and down out. And and I think defenses get fooled by, okay, we get this pace from Ezekiel Elliott. Now all of a sudden this guy explodes on us, and I've seen it. I've seen him get into the open field, and, and guys misjudge his speed. Like, okay, I've got this guy cut off, right? i got the angle on him. All of a sudden he runs right by him, right? And I think the speed surprises them. I always look at what his ability is, sort of like, if I, if I can use the baseball analogy, you got a, uh, a second baseman uh, who hits 285 on it with 200 at bats. You give him 400 at bats and he hits 235. So to me, the, the beauty of using Tony Pollard is to kind of splice him in here and there. Give him a series, maybe. Give him a couple plays. I think where they can use him more is throw it to him out of the backfield. Uh, you know, they've gotten into some two-back uh, offense with Zeke and Tony Pollard, and you can flank him out and act like he's the third receiver, line him up in the slot, throw it to him quickly, and let him get in the open field. I think that's where he's most dangerous. Uh, I'm not interested in Tony Pollard running between the tackles, uh, you know, 10, 15 times a game, because I think, again, you'll get diminishing returns. So, uh, I, I think they're in a really good situation at the running back position uh, with those two guys, and I don't see where Pollard needs to get more snaps because it, you might get less with more snaps. I know we got to pick up the pace here, Mickey, get to the defensive side of the ball, but I know Dalton Schultz is sitting there on his franchise tag. Can you update us on him? Yeah, and he will play on the franchise tag. They certainly didn't. I don't think I'm not even sure they came close to agreeing to a, a long-term deal. And look, a couple things happened. I think uh, you know, I mean, he's going to make 10.93 million, so it's not like, and it's guaranteed. Now the problem is it's only a one-year deal, uh, but that's like almost three times more money than he made in his first four years in the league. Uh, so it's not like you know he's playing for chump change. The problem is there's no guarantee that you would get if you signed a, a long-term deal. But I think what happened is, you know, his stats were good. He had a career year. He had the third most catches of tight ends uh, last year with his 78. He had 808 yards and, and uh, eight touchdowns. Uh, but Cleveland signs Najoku uh, to a long-term deal averaging almost $14 million a year. And I don't think the Cowboys thought that uh, – you know, Schultz was a $14 million a year tight end. Now, certainly his agent did, and if you signed him to market value, market value says that's what he, he should be worth. Uh, and, and, and so I think the Cowboys, and I don't know this, but I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking even if they franchise him again next year with the 20% raise, uh, that will mean in two years he'll have made $24 million. That's $12 million a year. That's still below market value, uh, what it's projected to be, right? Uh, So on his part, he's just got to hope that, you know, he plays at the same level and he stays healthy. And that's why we know, right, guys, that guys don't like playing on the final year of a contract or a one-year contract because you get hurt uh, and you might diminish your ability to market yourself the next year in free agency. So that's the downside uh, for Schultz. Uh, but again, he's going to make $11 million this year. Not necessarily a bad position to be in, especially when it's guaranteed money, as you mentioned. Let's head over to the defensive side of the ball. And as opposed to jumping right into the personnel, Mickey, I would argue maybe the MVP of their defense last year was the arrival of Dan Quinn. Because that unit remarkably turned things around in the span of a season. They were opportunistic. They were so reliable in terms of takeaways. It seemed as if he was able to put his stamp on that team, and that group didn't look back. So, A, how valuable was it that they did not lose him to a head coaching gig? And, B, what's the chances that continuity benefits them immensely that now they're going to be in year two in this game? Yeah, great points, John. Uh, my, my point on him last year, he was their best off-season acquisition. No matter, you know, who they might have signed in free agency, uh, you know, who they brought in, 
getting Dan Quinn was the number one best move they made. Uh, and number two, I think it's huge uh, that he decided to stay and, and not chase a head coaching job because I think he was that valuable and how he adapted what they did defensively to the talents of the players. Gosh, imagine that, right? Uh, instead of saying, okay, this is what I do, and you better fit into this you know, square peg, he said, okay, I got this guy that can do this. Okay, we're going to just kind of you know, think outside the box. Uh, I just think not only valuable on, on judging personnel, uh, not only valuable on game planning, but just interacting with the players. I don't know if you guys have ever been around the guy, but all you got to do is be around him for 10 minutes and you'll go, gosh, I'd love to play for that guy, or I'd just like to hang out with him, right? Uh, and I think, you know, in the room, the guys were all in on Dan Quinn. So the ability to bring him back. And think about this. This will be the first time in like three or four years that they have the same defensive coordinator in the same defense uh, calling the same plays because at the end, Rod Marinelli wasn't calling the defense. He had handed that off. Uh, so uh, I think it's invaluable, and the players have been talking about it in the off season about being in the same system and having some continuity from one year to the next instead of always changing uh, what you're trying to do. So, yeah, uh, absolutely agree with you on Dan Quinn. Uh, and I don't know what they had to do to keep him to be the defensive coordinator, but whatever they did, uh, it's worth it. And, Mickey, my understanding is he had a great interview up here with the Giants for our head coaching job. Um, I heard nothing but good things about about how he did there. And, you know, you talk about him being creative and using the personnel. Well, I think that is kind of defined by how, how Dallas used Micah Parsons, right? Uh, a unique player, a unique athlete. They used him all over the field. How do you expect them to use Parsons this year any differently, the same? Is he going to be on the edge a little bit more on third down because Randy Gregory's not there anymore? How do you think they're going to use Micah Parsons in year two? Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, the same. You know, we went back and looked and kind of did an analysis of his of his uh, 13 sacks. More than half of them came when he lined up as a linebacker, not as a defensive end. Now, he gets a lot of pressure at defensive end, but the problem saying, okay, he's a defensive end is, okay, now the offense knows where he's lining up. Right. He's going to be in that spot right there all the time, and, and you make adjustments. I think one of the best things – Dan Quinn did uh, was lining him up at linebacker, letting him blitz through the A-gap. So the defense didn't know, is he coming? Is he staying? Is he dropping? Uh, and then the other thing they started doing later in the season when Demarcus Lawrence uh, re- finally returned, uh, they lined him up as a linebacker, but before the snap of the ball, they put him on the line of scrimmage next to Demarcus Lawrence. So now the, the offense had to adjust, right? Are you are you single blocking both of those guys? And who's blocking the guy coming off the outer edge? Not Demarcus Lawrence, but Micah Parsons. Does that mean I got to keep a tight end in the block? Do I have to use my linebacker? I mean, my running back to block the linebacker who's lined up as an outside defensive end. Uh, I I just think continuing to use him in that capacity. Uh, it, it, it is invaluable. And if you remember, the majority of the time uh, last year when they lined him up as a pure defensive end, there was no Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, and for a while there, 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 there was no Randy Gregory. Yep. Uh, so they, you know, they were they were struggling at defensive end. But again, you know, at his size, I know his quickness. I know what he can do getting off the ball. Uh, but if he has to take a pounding as an every-down defensive end, he's, his ability uh, physically uh, to do what he can do is going to diminish because uh, of the physical, uh, you know, wearing him down, uh, every down, every down, having to stand. And, and you know, you got to play the run there, too. It's not all about the, the uh, sacks. 100%. And that may be even more critical than finishing the play and getting after the quarterback because that could limit at least big plays and do some damage control. We talked about the loss of Randy Gregory. Two other guys that I think fall a little bit under the radar, Mickey, Keanu Neal 
as well as DeMonte Casey, because both of them had ties to Dan Quinn. That was part of the reason why he brought them in. And they play various positions, especially Neil, who's moved around in his career. How significant are those two losses in your estimation? And who do you see perhaps stepping in to what those two guys assumed last season? Well, uh, if you kind of look at how the season went along, uh, as they further got into the season, uh, Keanu Neal's uh, snaps uh, significantly decreased. Uh, so I think it was a nice idea uh, trying to say he was a linebacker. Uh, to me, he's a safety, uh, sure. and he got exposed in the run game playing linebacker. Uh, and, and more and more, Leighton Vander has started playing more linebacker towards the end of the year and playing well, by the way. So uh, that was another conscious decision not to bring uh, either of those two guys back. Uh, I thought KZ at times was hit and miss, uh, and they had a choice there. And I don't know if it came down to who was willing to uh, sign for what they were offering, uh, but they chose Malik Hooker over DeMonte KZ. Uh, so, again, you know, if they can get out of Hooker what he previously did in his career before he was another one of those guys that tore an Achilles, uh, then, you know, I, I think it's a push. Uh, so, and, and, and again, you know, what they got a J. Ron Curse last year came out of left field. You know, when they signed this guy, guys, uh, I was thinking, all right, nice signing, one year, not very much, uh, and he's a special teams guy. Well, here's Dan Quinn. He sees this guy uh, uh, that, that, you know, is, is listed uh, as, as a safety, but he's like, what, 6'4", 220? And, and he said, well, I can use him as a big linebacker and, and call this my big nickel. And he can go in the slot and take on the tight end. Uh, you know, he can blitz for me. And all the guy does is end up being the team's leading tackler, playing an undefined position. Uh, and, and so I think with his emergence, uh, which they did not expect, I guarantee you, uh, that, that, that made those, signing those other guys less of a priority, and they ended up signing him uh, to a two-year deal. Final question for me, Mickey, on the secondary. You know, last year there were some really good moments. There were some big plays as well. And, and I think I see some, some, some upside play back there, right? I mentioned Trayvon Diggs, a lot of picks, but gave up some big plays. Malik Hooker, another year healthy coming back. Kelvin Joseph, a second-round pick that really didn't play a whole lot last year. There's a couple other younger guys, Nashawn Wright, guys like that. How do you view the secondary and whether or not they can take a step forward this year or you think maybe they could even take a step back? Yeah, I think that it might have been one of their underlying positives from last year. And you didn't mention Anthony Brown. Steady Anthony Brown, the veteran back there, and had one of his better seasons. So, yeah, I think they're solid at the cornerback position. They've got a bunch of guys, and somebody's not going to make this team, especially a couple of the younger guys. Uh, and they added a, another corner, Duran Bland, uh, 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 in the fifth, sixth round, somewhere in there. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I think that they'll be okay in the in the secondary, if not improved. With you know, let's let's face it, now, Diggs is le- only going into his third year. Uh, you know, Jordan Lewis, uh, you know, he may get challenged for some time if Calvin Joseph. Uh, can stick to football uh, and play to his second-round uh, draft uh, choice uh, height. Uh, they could be pretty good back there, you know. And 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 and, and Diggs with a little more experience. Uh, you know, one of the things I see him criticized for, uh, and maybe everybody was trying to also diminish his 11 picks, which no one since Everson Walls in 1981 has had that many picks in a single season, right, until he comes up with the 11 that match uh, Cubby, and you guys know about him. Yep. Um, uh, he, he didn't get these picks gambling. See, people were trying to blame him getting beat that he gambles so much. He just gets beat. But you know what? Cornerbacks get beat. There's a reason why uh, quarterbacks p- – 
flight paths for 5,000 and 4,000 yards. You know, they're, they're beating somebody out there. And there's a reason why these receivers, you know, catch passes for 1,000 yards. They, they beat guys. But, again, to me, the, the, the key to playing cornerback is knowing that you're going to get beat, you got to come back, but I can, I can kind of equalize that if I make plays and make plays on the ball. Uh, so this notion that the reason he got 11 picks was because he was a gambler, I, I, I don't agree with that. He, there were just plays that guys put a move on him, and he got beat. Uh, you know, was he sitting on a pass here or there? Well, yeah, maybe. Uh, but, again, I'll take my 11 picks, uh, and I'll take the ball. Uh, you know, if I give up a big play, okay, so be it. Uh, but, again, uh, I, I think he's awfully good. And one of the reasons he's good is because he can track the ball much, just like a wide receiver, like the wide receiver he was when he first went to college. I think that's been the key to his success. Cause it, and you guys know this. There's a lot of corners out there that can cover, but they can't go get the ball because they're not used to doing that. This kid can go get the ball. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, <laughs> Sure. No, that's a great point, considering his experience on the opposite side of the field in terms of where he started his career. That benefits him now on the defensive side of the ball. Mickey, last one from me before we let you go. I want to highlight special teams and specifically the kicking game because Greg Zerline is no longer in the mix. He goes over to the Jets, and as you can attest to, Zerline had his ups and downs, but they really have a pair of unknown commodities, it seems to me. you got the undrafted rookie out of Texas Tech, and then you have Liram Hyrulahu, who filled in for a little bit of time last season. Well done on that name, Lance, by the way. Well, Good I've job. been practicing in <laughs> yes, anticipation of this season. So. on that. You didn't even stumble on it. <laughs> Thank you, Mickey. Like I said, this is the off-season reps for broadcasters as much as it is for players. So, you know, I'm trying to get into a little bit beyond training camp form. But in all seriousness, what are the expectations for these two guys? And how does John Fossil think that he can get out of them what perhaps he's relied on for so many years out of Zerline? Yeah, uh, that's a good one. Uh, I was at some sort of charity event last Saturday, and uh, somebody stopped me, and they wanted to know my my three top worries, and we've covered all three of them so far. And I said, oh, by the way, let's not forget kicker. (laughs) I said, they've got two guys, uh, and only one of them has made a NFL field goal, right? And I think it's only one. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, that that's a huge question mark when you got two young guys. Now, uh, Hyrulahu kicked in the CFL, and he was pretty good there too. Uh, but really, he kicked for one game for the Cowboys, uh, and, and he made his extra points. And, and and let's not you know act like that's no big deal these days because that was one of Zerline's downfalls last year, missing extra points, and it cost him a couple times. Uh, uh, but but you know, and then Jonathan Garibay, the the free agent rookie out of Texas Tech, you know, th- this is all new to him. Now uh, I learned a long time ago from a Cowboy former kicking coach Steve Hoffman, who's been around the NFL for several years uh, since Jimmy brought him in as a kicking coach back in the '90s, uh, that you just judge a guy's leg strength by the sound of the ball coming off his foot. Well, this kid's got a pretty good thud, and he's got distance. Uh, and the thing I like about him is he kicks a straight ball. You know, these guys that hook or slice, 
boy, they scare the dickens out of me, right? <laughs> uh, because they're they're always kind of playing with their swing, right? Well, I got to hook this. I'm worrying about the wind. Just kick the darn thing straight, you know. And if you miss it and you kick it straight and hits the upright, so be it. Uh, I, this kid's got a chance, but again. You know, he hasn't done it at this level. He hasn't done it with this amount of pressure. And really, in college, uh, you know, he kicked his first two years at JUCO uh, and then basically started for a year and a half at Texas Tech. Now, he's pretty good his senior year. Uh, so, we'll, and again, I keep telling this, I hate to sound like a broken record, but we're going to training camp to see. You know, for so many years, and I don't know if you guys have had to do this or not, uh, before uh before Dan Bailey got here, it seemed like every year there was kicking competition, right? And even Bailey's rookie year. And we'd sit there in training camp, and every time they'd do their kicking session, you know, we'd have one guy go stand underneath the goalpost so we can judge if it was good or not. <laughs> uh, and we'd mark down, you know, every kick. You know, if they had six, okay, made it, made it, how, what the distance was. And then when Bailey secured the job, it was like, we ain't got to do this anymore. He's going to make every one of them, right? Well, this year we're going back to old times. We're going to be charting every kick from whatever distance and, and you know, make or miss. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see. So another thing, we're, we're, what we're going to training camp for to find out. Mickey, I've got to ask you this, and this is a selfish question. Um, my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. I will be slightly devastated. I'm not going to be here to, to – to celebrate because we will be in Dallas, but something tells me the spread in Dallas for Thanksgiving is probably going to be pretty good. Get, give me a preview <laughs> of the food spread that I'll be walking into Thanksgiving Day in Dallas this year. You know what? It's a, it's a pretty good spread. Uh, you know, maybe not what you would get at home, uh, but uh, pretty darn good thing of, of what they'll cook between turkey and uh, I'm sure there'll be some sliced, uh, some sliced steak, uh, some sort of uh, rib roast, uh, all the dressing, all of the trimmings that come with Thanksgiving. Uh, they'll be there. Probably the only thing they'll be missing is the vino. But if you want to try sneaking it in, <laughs> that's okay. Absolutely. And by the way, I think while we were recording this, Dallas just announced they'll be wearing their throwback uniforms on Thanksgiving with their white helmets and throwback uniforms from the 60s. So there's that as well. Mickey, I know we kept you a long time. Hope we didn't kill you with that. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Uh, hope you enjoy your last couple of days of summer. Because as I said to all our guests, it is a, your, our fun is about to end as training camp gets going, my friend. Stay safe, and we'll see you in September. Thanks a lot, Mickey. I appreciate that. I always, always enjoy being on with you guys. Uh, see you down the road. Thanks, Mick. That's Mickey Spagnola, DallasCowboys.com. All right, Lance, I feel better now. I felt pretty good about, you know, Texas Stadium with the spread on Thanksgiving. Sure. I, I was very concerned, though. I really? Loved, I loved, oh, come on. Well, I no, mean, no. I Dallas just, does this every no, year. Correct. You figure well, those chefs know what they're doing. Well, I should say I was just concerned in general about not being home for Thanksgiving. It's my favorite. I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday. So just not being home is what I was concerned about. But if you're going to choose one place to be based on, to your point, their experience and the quality of the food that they usually have in their spread in a normal game, Dallas would be the place you would choose to be. Well, if memory serves me correctly, and I wholeheartedly agree with everything you just said, that's why I wasn't too worried about you, and I didn't know that this was on your mind, but I'm oh, glad that at absolutely. least we've aired it out on this program. But I think the only other time, at least since I've been working and covering the team, was Denver, right? You went to Denver yes, on Thanksgiving? Yes, went to Denver Was for there another time during your tenure? I, I don't think there was, was right? Weren't we in Washington You're for right. a Thursday night game, We were in I Washington. Yes. I stand corrected. I'm thinking way back. Okay, so Denver and Washington, so twice. Yeah, Denver was like back in like Dallas. 2012, and I think Washington Correct. was somewhere around like so 2017. So how were those experiences? Oh, Washington, what was, you Washington was terrible. Okay, Washington was terrible. Do you well, remember well, Denver? Washington generally, though, has like the worst food spread in the league. <laughs> like it's like stale hot dogs. Like the only good thing Washington has in their press box are the cookies. So I usually just load up on the cookies <laughs> when yeah. I'm doing well, Washington. Well, something tells you want a little bit more on Thanksgiving yeah, than cookies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, correct. Just slightly. Yes. It was it was like uh, hot, hot dogs in the shape of turkeys. No. Um, <laughs> you know, Denver, do I even remember? I mean, it was a while back, so what was I can understand. Denver. What I remember is Denver, and you will appreciate this. So our, our mutual friend Aaron Goldhammer lives in Denver. He was home for Thanksgiving, so I actually stayed in Denver for a couple extra days, and I had a Friday 
Thanksgiving dinner at my friend Aaron's house. Oh, in so that Denver must have made up after. for it then. Yes. Whatever they served. And, and at the that stadium. is why I don't remember what the stadium did because <laughs> okay. I got my Thanksgiving dinner the day after. Gotcha. Okay. But something tells me there will not be an extended stay in Arlington this year. No. Is with, that fair? Okay. Yes, because now with two kids in the house, well, that's if I'm I figured. there's a little day, bit more urgency to return home. There will yes. be trouble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when things are simple in 2009 or 10, whatever it was, and I had yes. no response. I think it was actually pre-2011 Super Bowl. I have to check that out. I think you're right. Yeah, I think, I think it, it was, was 09 or 010, yeah. I believe. Um, 09 or 10. So, yeah, that's when I, you know, no care in the world. I was like, you know, barely 30 years old and I was less than 30. I was rocking and rolling. That was, that's when life was easy, my friend. Yes, now it's absolutely. great, but it is, it is just a, well, a lot more going on. Here's maybe the silver lining, and you know this better than I do because you've been on a lot of lengthy flights. Not that Texas is an extraordinarily long flight, yeah, but three hours the Washington change. game was a primetime game, if you remember. Yep. So this one, the fact that it's 4.30, not that you're getting out of there reasonably, but perhaps a little bit better. Maybe you get to go into the fridge and eat some leftovers under the circumstances. Well, yeah, and, and I'll get home. I, I, I believe my wife has promised me she'll be cooking a turkey on Friday, which oh, is okay. nice. There you and, go. and we shouldn't – I wouldn't imagine – we're going to have to do much work on that Friday. I imagine they'll probably give the players and coaches off to have like a fake Thanksgiving with their family. Maybe just coming in the morning or something like that. I would assume. So then yeah. we should. And then and then you get the whole weekend Correct. off without That's anything going on, which exactly. is which is good, too. So there are positives there. Are negatives. Anyway, I'm sure fans were really interested in all of that. <laughs> yes. Um, well, well, we're peeling back the curtain a little yeah, bit. A little so, bit. you know, perhaps they find some interest in that. So what do you think, Lance? Even money? Cowboys and Eagles winning the NFC East? Or do you think? Dallas Cowboys slight favorite or Eagles slight favorite for that matter. It's hard to put Dallas as the slight favorite because you know my favorite statistic and I'm kind of annoyed that <laughs> Dave Spadaro stole it from me yeah. on yesterday's program. <laughs> you have to ask me permission to give that statistic. There are even serious XM NFL radio hosts now quoting that stat because I've been on with them so long that they just religiously say it out loud. I'm like, yep. excuse me, I'm the one that embedded that in your head. So for that fact alone, it's hard for me to give them the favoritism because it's been virtually impossible for anybody to successfully defend the title. But once again, if we go back to the conversation we had yesterday, I feel a lot better about Dak Prescott being my quarterback than Jalen Hurts, even though I would argue I think Philadelphia has the more balanced roster Agreed. with the less amount of question marks. So the personnel around Jalen would make me feel a little bit more better about Philly. But at the end of the day, when we're talking about splitting hairs— It's a quarterback league, correct, man. And you love to quote that. It's a quarterback-driven league. That's, at the end of the day, what's going to decide. So I have to give Dallas the slight edge. And I think, as we were talking to Mickey about, the continuity factor— I think helps Dallas. Now, you could argue yeah. that helps Philadelphia too, right? Because it's year two for that group. But Dan Quinn, I can't emphasize enough what he did for that side of the ball. And I think that's a big reason why the Cowboys played so effectively yeah. last season. They didn't put as much pressure on the plate of Dak Prescott. So slight edge to Dallas. But here's the thing. If Jalen shows that he can be that balanced QB, all bets are off. And I would not be surprised if the Eagles win the division this year. Well, and two other things I want to point out. One... Dallas demolished Philly sure. in their two games last in year. In history, too, by the way, recent history, they have pretty much taken care of business yeah, against so the Eagles. Yeah, so right now, Dallas owns Philly. And if Dallas yeah. sweeps that matchup, it's going to be really hard for Philly to win that division. It's just That's just the way it goes, you know what I mean? Sure. Y you give Dallas that, that, that kind of two-game edge and the tiebreaker, so it's really like a three-game edge. That's going to be real tough for Philly to, to, to make up. So they're going to have to play better against Dallas. That's, I think, really the most important thing. And I agree with you. I almost think the Dallas defense, and this is so weird considering, you know, Mickey talked about Prescott with his quarterback rating, all the points they score and all that stuff. I almost think the Dallas defense is more the strength of their team than their offense right now, especially if you look at how they play in the playoff game against the 49ers, how they play at the end of the year. I almost have more respect for the Cowboy defense and more fear of the Cowboys defense heading into this year then I do the offense, especially with the losses of Amari Cooper and Lael Collins. Yeah, and Michael Gallup also missing yeah. at least the first month based Absolutely. on what Mickey said because mm -hmm. of the torn ACL. So it puts more pressure on the Tolberts and the Washingtons of the world trying to fill in. Yeah, Tolbert, were, by the way, could be a nice fantasy sleeper this year, I think. I think 100%. Could, yeah, I think he could have a very nice year. Yeah, well, we're in the same league, so I don't know how much I want to <laughs> give you support. But you know the cat's out of the bag already, okay? So, you know, there's nothing to hide from you from that standpoint. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think the defense could do 
a lot of damage, especially if they could be as opportunistic with respect to the way that they turned the ball over last year. I mean, that goes a long way in terms of taking pressure off of the quarterback. If you look at also some of the scores from last season, and this was what you were hitting on, you know, they weren't getting into games where the offense had to put up 30-some-odd points. I mean, there was a stretch last season. If you go back to week 13 through 15, and listen, you could put the opponents aside. I get it. This wasn't necessarily the explosive offenses of the NFL, the Saints, Washington, and the Giants. But they scored 27 in the first two, 21 against the Giants. They held, though, their opponents to 17, 20, and 6, respectively. And if you could do that, regardless of the opponent, it puts you in a position to at least feel, hey, you've got a fighting chance. Remember, they lost this game. They held the Kansas City Chiefs to 19 points, John. Yeah, they only scored good. nine, of course, in that game. But there were a lot of those signature defensive performances. That's why if that unit can bring to the table what they did last season, yeah, they could win a number of lower-scoring games, which I think bodes them extremely well. Hey, Lance, they lost in the playoffs 23-17, and one of those Niners touchdowns was the result of a short field. I believe it was a Dak Prescott interception, if I recall. That 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 caused a short field in that game. So, yeah, I agree. And the other factor I'll throw in here, and this is, I don't want to ask Mickey about this. He works for the team, much like us. He's not really going to be able to comment on it or whatever. There is a ton of pressure, a ton of pressure on Mike McCarthy this year. Why? You know why. Oh, Sean Payton yep. sitting there without a job. I don't know if you saw the Pro Football Talk report, Lance, that came out last year that they were really close to hiring Sean Payton like two years ago, but because the owners of the Pelicans and the Saints are the same and the Pelicans just traded Anthony Davis and they didn't want to lose Sean Payton in like the, in like the same <laughs> time quite the frame. comparison. Yeah. No, but like that was the reasoning because they're both uh, – and, and I can't remember the name of the family that owns the teams down there. The Benson families, right? Benson, they, yeah. yeah, the Benson. They own, yeah, they, the white Gail Benson. Yeah, Gail Benson. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, they and they own both teams, and they're like, well, we just lost Anthony Davis. We can't – let Sean Payton walk, too. We're going to, like, destroy the sports culture in New Orleans. So they ended up not letting Payton leave to go to Dallas. But that is one of those things where, I mean, you know, Sean Payton was there in their Bill Parcells. There's connections there. Jerry Jones loves him. This will be year three of McCarthy, which is a fair shake, right? Three years for a head coach, I, th- I would consider a fair shake. It's like an eternity in the end. <laughs> it is now, yeah. So if, if they don't, you know, I'm not even saying, like, they could win the division and be out in the first round, and McCarthy could still be out in his butt, right? Like, oh, 100%. They, they, like, yeah. You're almost talking NFC title game, or you could see a change in the head coach position next year. Yeah. Well, I mean, the other guy that I think they would even give consideration to is what about an internal promotion yeah, Dan with Quinn, Dan right? Quinn, yeah, right? No, you could. Or could you, could you bring in Peyton and keep Quinn? Is that possible? You could, sure. I mean, if Sean is you totally get the best of both that, worlds. Yeah, and Sean seems to be the type of guy that would say, hey, you go off on your own end on defense. You do your thing. I'll handle the offense. He's a veteran coach. He's certainly confident in himself. But, yeah, Sean being one year removed from not being a head coach definitely adds a little bit more pressure. And supposedly you were referencing the report from last year. There's also been recent reports that he's itching to get back into coaching again. So clearly that took about five minutes. Yeah, which I'm not surprised. <laughs> no. And he is going to be on the top of a lot of people's wish list based on what transpires across the league. Remember, even if we speculate if Dallas has interest, right. it doesn't mean that Dallas would be the only team that would entertain Sean Payton, of course. Oh, no, of course not. I mean, you look at some of these teams around the league, you know, I'm thinking of teams, what coaches, this is a good real final conversation here before we say goodbye. What coaches would you consider on the hot seat this year? I think atop the list is Matt Rule in Carolina. I agree. But right? I, 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 mean, I don't think that's a, an attractive spot, though, for Peyton. But, yes, I agree. That's fair. Mm-hmm. But I do think he's got pressure on him. Year three, right? A lot of buzz coming out of college. And injuries have not helped in the revolving door of quarterbacks. But still, I'm assuming that owner, who, by the way, I'm sure could pay him off, right, without having any doubts about money and bring in a new guy like Sean Payton. So I put Matt Rule. I think he's ahead of Mike McCarthy if you I were agree to put that. the rankings. I agree with that. How about the Browns? With Stefanski? Yeah. But here's the thing. I think ownership wanted Deshaun Watson, and I think he gets a little bit of leeway if, if Deshaun doesn't, doesn't play. play this year. No, that's a yeah. great point. So great I point. don't know, John, if I'd put Stefanski great point. that high above list. Plus, listen, I understand it's about what have you done for me lately, but, I mean, he did help the Browns get to the playoffs in 2020 yeah. and forever. So <laughs> I would assume that buys him slight 
leeway yeah. in terms of what he could do. I don't yeah. think anyone in the AFC South is necessarily on the hot seat. Well, I, you know, it's funny you mentioned this. I had this conversation. Well, I don't v- know if not Vrabel, right? You don't think Vrabel's on the hot seat, do you? No, no. I was no. going to say Frank Reich. Oh, you think and Reich? Listen, maybe? I love Reich. I'm a huge fan of what he did and what he continues to do. But the reason being is supposedly Ursay was the mm. one that wasn't very fond of Carson Wentz. And who campaigned to bring Carson to Indy? Frank Wright, because they were together in Philly. Interesting. If they don't get the job done or they don't go as far as he intended, could you now put that pressure back on Frank Wright? Wright's been there, what, two years? No, Reich's been there, isn't this year three? Yeah, that's right? what I'm saying. Because yes, yes. Philip Rivers was year two. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, he, Carson. He, he has two years under his belt. This is year three. That was what I was trying to say. Is it, though? That's what I'm trying. I feel like this is year four for Frank Wright. No? See. Frank Wright. Isn't Josh McDaniels that by. far removed? Yeah, it could be. Let me see. I'm Frank Wright sure. was hired by the Colts on February 11, 2018. Yeah, so 18, yeah. 19, 20, it's 21. It's more than that. I should take it back. This is yeah. his fifth season. Wow, yeah. I totally, wow, you're, I was way off on that. Good call. Yeah, well, I mean, think about all the quarterbacks he's had, and yeah. he's actually had success <laughs> to those circumstances. No, you're right. I agree. Which is wild. Yeah, you know yeah. what? I didn't realize he was there that long. If they, if they have a disappointing year, I could see him being on the outs. Uh, obviously, Andy Reid's safe. Raiders, they just hired a new head coach. I don't know if that's going to happen. You sure. know, same with the Broncos, just hired a head coach. You yep. know who I could see? Staley. Yeah. Yeah, only that's not crazy. Be, only because if he's so uh, blatant, with his use of analytics and some controversial decisions, if those don't work, I could see that being a quick hook. If if like he does some crazy stuff and they don't like you know finish under five hundred, which you know how many times have we talked about how good the Chargers going to be and then they underperform, it seems to happen all the time. Well, they also have been hit by injuries too, which yeah, hasn't helped. Of but sure, certainly, yeah. So I, I, I think that. Well, here's the other thing, real quick. Yep. Don't you think Sean Payton would love to coach Justin Herbert? Well, no, well, no, 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 no. But that's my point. That to me, yeah. of all the teams we've talked about, that's the team that would be the threat to Dallas for yeah. Payton right now. NFC North, the Packers, they're fine. Vikings just have a new coach. Bears and Lions wouldn't be a Payton team. Bucks just hired Bulls. Uh, Saints, obviously, that's not going to be a Payton factor. Falcons and Panthers, again, Payton wouldn't be interested in those teams. Arizona, maybe. If Payton would want to coach Kyler Murray, I think that's an sure. interesting fit. Yeah, Kings, Kingsbury, given you know the fact that they've had some ups and downs and the whole contractual situation with Kyler Murray, if all of a sudden that becomes a lot of baggage, could Arizona head in a different direction? I don't think that's a stretch. Yeah, so I think those are the three teams that would probably could be in line for a coach and would be interested in Peyton, and Peyton would be interested in going. Because I don't think Peyton's going to want to go join a team where he's got some, like, you no, know, not at this stage in his career. No, yeah. exactly. But, though, a lot of the teams we threw out are attractive. I mean, even Indianapolis, yeah, the I think, is attractive for Sean Peyton. They don't have a young quarterback, though. They have an older quarterback kind of at the end of his rope. That's fair. Okay, I'll give you that. But if he likes Matt Ryan, and remember, he's been in the division, yeah, John. That's true. So, that's- I mean, if he thinks he could get a year or two out of Matt Ryan and that buys him time— to develop a new quarterback or gain a new quarterback through the draft? Who knows? Yeah. Maybe that's attractive. Plus, is Sean thinking about how likely am I to win in the division? I like your chances in the AFC South, right? Yeah. I don't think that's a juggernaut of teams that you have to deal with. NFC East, too, I would say, too. Okay, NFC yeah. but if you go to the AFC Ooh, West. that's a problem. Right? I mean, <laughs> listen, you love Herbert, but yeah. <laughs> look at what you got to yeah. contend with no, in that division. And he by the way, that too. and if Sean Payton's thinking career after football, you know, just look at all the top analysts in the league right now around on TV broadcast. They're all former Cowboys. <laughs> it's just kind of how it's Well, meeting it work. elevates his profile. Yeah, You're saying, sure. sure. Yeah. yeah, dude, you know how it works with Dallas. No, 100%. Know, they're on yeah. national TV all the time, all that, all that nonsense. All right, Lance, I think that just about does it, but the Giants did have some news this morning we should get to. I probably should have gotten it too earlier, but I guess I'm not that smart. We buried the lead. Yeah, a little yes. bit. Well, rookie tight end Daniel Bellinger. Uh, at a San Diego State, will apparently start training camp on the PUP, PUP, physically unable to perform list with a quad injury. Uh, that's according to Dan Salomon, who obviously is one of our fine writers upstairs for Giants.com. And it's a shame, Lance, because, look, it's hard for rookies, especially a tight end, to break in early, right? It's it's You have to block. you got to catch. It's a, it's a position with a really high learning curve, and he's going up against a couple of two veteran tight ends. For him to miss... Any time in camp will hurt him and his goal to, to maybe be that starting tight end at some point this year. You never want to see a young player on the sideline. I mean, look at what Kayvon Thibodeau went through during the course of OTAs and minicamp. And granted, that wasn't with the pads on, so hopefully he'll be back up and running. But the best comparison I could give you is Aaron Robinson, 
who actually spent a good portion of his rookie year on the pup list. He had core muscle surgery following his final year in college, and that ate into his development. So we don't know how serious this, in fairness, this injury is. That's important to know, John. We'll know more once training camp starts next week. Keep in mind, and I tweeted this out by quoting Dan's tweet, the fact that you could come off the pup list at any time. Yep. You don't have a limitation on that, meaning Daniel Bellinger doesn't have to spend two weeks at least on pup. He could come off three days into training camp, and you obviously have some flexibility from that standpoint. We only talk about going on the regular season pup list when you spend the entire portion of training camp and the preseason on the pup list. So we're not there yet. That would be way ahead in terms of speculating. And here, though, is a quick side note. They actually changed the regular season rule, and this applied to Aaron Robinson. When you went from the preseason training camp pup list to the regular season pup list, you had to miss the minimum of the first six games of the season. They have now cut that down. It's now a minimum of the first four games. After the first four games, you could begin practicing and could return for game number five. So it's not as big, lengthy period of time as it was previously. That's a good news. I'm not saying we're going to get there with Bellinger, but they have tweaked the rules. But with respect to Bellinger, Hopefully, it won't be a long-term issue, and hopefully he'll get back on the field sooner rather than later because you mentioned he's got competition with veterans, but also this is a great opportunity for him. He's walking into a team which doesn't have a dominant tight end to top the depth chart, doesn't have a guy that does a little bit of everything that you know is going to get the bulk of the snap. So the sooner he gets back on the field, the sooner he can prove to the coaching staff, hey, maybe I can carve out a role in the early stages of the season. No question about it. So we'll keep our eyes on that, and we'll see what the Giants can figure out at tight end, which is a brand new room this year, sure. except for uh, Myronick, right? I believe he's the only guy that's back. And he briefly year. left. Remember, he went yes. to the Bengals and then came right. back. And then so. he came back. All right, everybody, thank you for being with us. For Lance Meadow, I'm John Schmelk. Have a great weekend. As a reminder, send in your questions. You'll see the tweet on my Twitter feed. Uh, tomorrow, Paul DeTino and I will answer all Twitter questions during the show as we get ready for training camp, which opens up next week. For Lance Meadow, I'm John Schmelk. Have a great weekend, and thanks for listening to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll see you tomorrow on Friday for more show, and then we have our weekend. Lance, we'll see you next week. Sounds good. Adios. We'll see you then. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked. Game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco Cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked. Your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart.